In episode 11 of the Supercharged Podcast, Danny and Lexi sit down for a spirit-filled, energy-centered, and enlightening conversation with Heather Orton. Heather's accolades run wide. She is a certified Reiki master, teacher, shaman, angel therapy practitioner, craniosacral practitioner, reflexologist, yoga nidra instructor, and most importantly, to balance those energetic talents, a loving wife and mother. Witnessing Heather's work and care firsthand, we all we know all too well that she has always had a very strong connection to the spirit world and believes the connection between the body, mind, and spirit is of utmost importance when it comes to maintaining our health and well-being. Knowing that it all comes down to helping other people connect to their spirit, their essence, she shares that her role is about providing tools for other people so that they can be responsible for connecting to and developing their own energy. In a very tangible way, in this very supercharged episode, we discuss the four Claire's and how each of us can tune into our own psychic abilities. Yes, we all have them. We also talk about what it means to be a shamanic practitioner, and most interestingly, how and what happens when they journey for an individual spirit animal, power animal, and totem, sometimes more than one, and why these can be a significant tool for healing. We also dig into what it means, in Heather's words, to connect with spirit, learn how we can personally connect with spirit every day, and how not doing so may be the missing link in optimal health today. And we discuss, lastly, the ever-brilliant and magical way that children are so naturally connected to spirit. So please, pour yourself a mug of tea, cozy up under a blanket, take a few deep breaths to ground yourself, and enjoy this beautiful, insightful, and educational talk with one of our favorite healers. Every once in a while, you are graced with or in the presence of someone who just, I don't know, makes you feel at ease, but also makes you have the biggest goosebumps and makes you feel inspired and lit up and just really curious about the world we live in in a greater way. Um, we have Heather Orton with us on today's podcast um, and I don't know where to start. I, both Lex and I have been um, students of Heather's in terms of visiting her in her home and um, and studio practice. Can I call it a studio? I don't know if I can call it a studio. Yeah, sure. But um, <laughs> for shamanic journeys um, to find our totem animals and to seek further healing um, with our spirit guides. And we always leave in, in total awe. And she is just such a beautiful spirit herself. Um, we have so many questions about Reiki healing and shamanic journey and spirit animals and just her story in general, how you are graced with these gifts that so many of us have not been able to touch on. And we would just, I think the best place to start, obviously, is how did you get started? Wow. Well, thank you for that intro, by the way. Well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so nice. I could have kept going. But it is true. Like, you are so special. You can, I mean, we probably all have these abilities that we're not aware of um, tuning do. into, yeah. but you've done it and... Tell us how. Well, it, I think, all started high school. That was where it all kind of cracked open for me. And there was just so much going on at that point. I was a really anxious kid. Like, I always wanted to do the right thing. I always grew up trying to be, I think, that perfectionist because I just, I never wanted to disappoint people. Um, I just, yeah, I, I always wanted to be the best. And that I think caused a lot of turmoil in my life because it just meant that I held in a lot of stuff. And so I ended up having a lot of stomach issues that were created from that. I got a lot of physical symptoms that came with it. And I didn't 
know the connection between mind body at that point. So I didn't really understand what was going on. I just knew that my stomach hurts all the time. And so um, I ended up kind of going the Western medical route and we looked at, is it IBS? Is it Crohn's? Is it ulcers? Like what is going on? And it was like this two year process of getting nowhere. And so it, it ended up that Reiki was actually what cleared that up for me. And on top of being, you know, in high school, which is already awkward enough yeah, and, you know, having all this like anxiety, um, I'm still dealing with it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's kind of traumatic. Um, I was really open spiritually and I, again, didn't know what that meant. I just knew that there was a spiritual activity that was happening in my house. I was feeling different things. I was sensing different people. I knew that there were things that couldn't be explained. And, and so I didn't, I felt crazy. Like, who do you talk to about that? Right? Like, Oh, I, the typical, I see dead people. Like nobody, high school's awkward enough. I'm not going to, you know, talk about that. So again, it was just another thing that I was holding on to and, and trying to, yeah, trying to maintain and figure out. And that I think compounded into all the, the stomach issues. So wow. I ended up seeing a woman who practiced Reiki and I saw her, I would, it was semi-regularly, like I feel like it was probably about like once a week. And who we, brought you to her? Like it was my mom. Your mom did. Yeah. She was the one who amazingly knew this woman and, and had talked to her about me. And because my mom was also the only one that I, I felt comfortable enough sharing all of the spiritual stuff with because I, I just thought I was going nuts. Yeah. And so she was the one I finally told. And my mom took that to her friend and her friend said, well, get her to come see me. Let me see if I can work with her. And excuse me, she, yeah, she worked on healing my stomach and within a month and a half, two months, like the pain was gone, which blew my mind because I just had no idea what Reiki healing was. I mean, it seemed really weird to me, to be honest. I was yeah. a skeptic because I mm -hmm. thought, okay, they're putting their hands on you and you're healed and like, how does this work? But it worked. And not only that, she was able to confirm things for me. Like she was able to talk to me about guides that I had dreamt about and never mm -hmm. told anyone about. So that's when I started really understanding that there was something to this mind, body, spiritual connection that all of this was happening. Yeah. And it just opened up, well, it blew open the doors for me. And so I took my level one and two Reiki when I was still in high school because I wanted to learn how to work with that energy and how to... I think better um, control or set boundaries around the spiritual work so that I wasn't just bombarded with that all the time. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where it all began, began for me. And then I started getting into all kinds of things, readings and herbal healing and uh, shamanism, like all of that just kind of came as a, you know, it, it just continued. Yeah, yeah, your learning journey just kept going and going as off. Yeah, exactly. One thing led to the next, and here but I am. <laughs> but even to become that connected, like, or aware in high school, like, were your friends, were you mm -hmm. open to your friends at that time, too? Like, I'm Not just really. I actually had a lot of very religious friends. Some of my friends knew that I was really sensitive, or, I, you know, I would just tell them, like, yeah, you know, I don't like going to graveyards or I don't like going, I just get weird feelings or I would just kind of pass it off as really simple things, yeah. but I never really went into it. Um, and I think I was just really afraid of telling my friends because of 
being judged or, you know, them thinking, you know, what's wrong with you or you're some witch or something. I don't know, you know, like it was just really scared to open up to that. Yeah. So how did you begin your passions for connecting with that spirit world further than, further than Reiki? Um, once I did Reiki, um, well, it was interesting because when I did Reiki for people, I would often see animals Mm -hmm. around or like in their energy and I never understood what that meant. Um, and did you share that with them when you saw it or just, yeah, I started to, it took me a while to share that because I, I needed to understand what, where that was coming from or what, what the message was around that. Um, but then I started realizing, you know, these different animals of different characteristics. I think that's the message. I think that's what I'm supposed to be relaying. So that's what I started to do. But then I, heard about shamanism and totem animals and I was like I wonder if that's what's coming forward because it wasn't ever like domestic sometimes there was domestic animals and I knew okay this this feels like it was an old pet or something like that but most of the time it would be like I see a bear energy around you or a wolf and and so then I was really curious about shamanism but I was really nervous to get involved in that because of all the cultural appropriation and I I put it off for years. Mm -hmm. I avoided it for years. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you call yourself and, and how does that play into what you do when you see clients? I, I refer to myself as a shamanic practitioner, um, because I have taken shamanic trainings with many different people, Mm -hmm. but I feel like just like the term Reiki master, can we really be masters of anything, right? We, we're always, there's always room to grow. There's always more to know. And I think even with shamanism, usually the term shaman was given to the person by the community. And I, I don't feel like taking a course is necessarily that um, permission in some ways. I think people do call me a shaman and I don't necessarily go into correcting them or anything like that, but I I would refer to myself as a shamanic practitioner because I journey in order to gather information, connect to spirit, and and try to help that person find balance and and try to give them tools so that they can lead a more balanced life. Well, like you said, it's not a course that you just sign up for over the weekend. Like The doors were literally knocking, like, okay, the the animals that you're seeing when you're practicing Reiki, like just this constant search for more. And yeah. that just, you didn't come, it just came naturally. Like there was no push to this yeah. at all. And I think um, that's so powerful. Well, I think it's like anything. If you have an interest in something, you you kind of go in one area and you learn a lot about that. And then all of a sudden another door opens and another door and you just yeah. kind of go down this rabbit hole. And that's what it, it was. I, I ended up at the Wild Rose College for a couple of years doing essentially what their general practitioner um, or healing practitioner would be. So I learned a little bit about herbs and iridology and reflexology, mm-hmm. um, psychic development, things like that. And then I went on to take uh, to be an angel therapy practitioner. So I went to Hawaii and did a training with Doreen Virtue, who, who mm-hmm. was this angel uh, therapy practitioner. She did readings and things like that. And, and, So it was just one interest led to the next, led to the next. And each of them brought so much to my life, but then I would go a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. and then I'd be called to look for something a little bit more. And 
everything just kept bringing me back to shamanism, so I couldn't put it off. Yeah. I couldn't keep ignoring that anymore. And I think that's the beautiful thing about these courses or about these workshops that people can go to is often, no, it won't make you an expert or a master, mm -hmm. so to speak, but it does plant that seed and allows you to then look at yourself and what's going on in your life and maybe move more into that experience. Yeah. And for you, I think, too, like you had those things already happening in your life, but mm -hmm. even to take those Reiki courses when you were in high school mm -hmm. maybe set you on a different path altogether and mm -hmm. really started your journey to where you are now and, and helping other people heal. I think that was really what it came down to for me was helping other people see mm -hmm. that because it – it made such a difference in my own life. And I, I was totally unaware of that mind-body connection. I didn't know that, oh, if I'm really stressed out, you can develop stomach issues because of that, right? Yeah. It, it just didn't make sense to me. And so when I saw that profound shift in my own life, I just, I knew that I had to be a part of helping other people because I knew other people who struggled with certain issues and I could see, you know, the turmoil that was in their life. And so it was just, I wanted to be able to be that safe place for people mm -hmm. who maybe even were open spiritually and didn't know what to do with that and felt like they were going crazy. Yeah. I kind of wanted to be able to, to help them through that and, and understand what it was and how to set their boundaries so that they, they could live in this regular society, in this life, yeah. but also use those gifts as well mm -hmm. and have that balance. And that, that's been, I think, my passion since day one. Yeah, that's since that incredible. So as a shamanic practitioner, um, the idea is to help them get to heal their soul or yeah. um, you do the drumming so that there are three different ways. Well, yeah, so shamans in general are, are looking at matters of the soul or matters of the spirit. And I think my role is very much about providing tools for other people so that they can then be sort of responsible for their own energy. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, like, we all get a little lost and, and we need that extra bit of help. And so in... Typically for a shaman, they would look at the at healing a soul in a few different ways. And one of them is connecting somebody with a power animal or a totem. Um, one is through soul retrieval, which is all about helping to um, heal the spirit from any past traumas that somebody has experienced. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that way. And then also the, the third thing would be extraction. So helping to remove any blockages, whether they be entities or be emotions that are stuck in the body so helping to clear the body so that they can that person can be sort of a fine-tuned instrument mm -hmm. but a shaman will always use a journey to almost like as a diagnostic tool you, you always go into that so for those of you I guess who aren't familiar with a journey it's it's going into an altered state and that's where you connect with spirit and you ask questions and you look for all of these things um and bring them back for the, the individual. So whether it's a soul piece or help them reconnect with the totem, but it's, it's about creating that wholeness and that balance. So when you go in and search for, um, that power animal, is that some, is that animal, um, typically one that's brought in from that situation that the person's coming in for? Is it one that's within mm -hmm. their whole life? Is, yeah. Like, what does that represent? That's a really good question. And in some ways it's a hard one to answer because, um, there is, 
so many different cultures who practice shamanism. Like mm-hmm. it, it is the original earth-based spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. It came from people who were connected to the land and were in, you know, in balance with the animals and the plants. And they felt that they could share that energy and that if there was illness or anything, it could mean that their spirit was out of balance or it meant that they had lost their power. And so finding a totem was about reuniting them, reconnecting with that power. Some people though believe that the totem animal or power animal, there's a lot of words that kind of get thrown around and make it a bit confusing, but in general, um, the totem animal or the power animal is the spirit of an animal who is looking to merge with you to give you power, to give you inspiration, to help to balance you. Um, Whereas we also have spiritual guides, which can also be in animal form. So we call those spirit animals and they tend to be more information givers. They tend to be more concerned with our soul's well-being and, um, and so our purpose, things like that. So they tend to give us information. But when we're looking for a totem, we're looking for that animal that wants to merge to give us power. Some people believe there's only one that that is with us from that moment of conception until death. Other cultures believe that it can change, that it, it um, as you grow and you evolve during different situations, there's a different animal who wishes to merge with you in order to help you through that, mm-hmm. that time. So it can be a little bit confusing mm-hmm. depending, but I think it depends on yeah, which culture we're talking about and, and all of that. And also maybe for the person that's receiving the information, what it means to them at that yeah. time too. Is that something that comes in? Yeah, I think um, we have so much to learn from all of these elements, all of these animals. They all bring wisdom to us. But I think that main distinction is just who actually wants to work through you and connect to you mm-hmm. and when I do the journey, I'm looking to identify what that presence is, what that dominant energy is, so that then the person can create their own ceremony or ritual to build that relationship so that they can be more balanced in their in their day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And how they go about that ceremony, how they conduct that ritual, that's totally up to them. That's their own unique, um, it's got to come from that yeah. authentic heart place. But for me, it's about identifying what that strong presence is because that's the one that wants to help them Mm -hmm. maintain that balance. Yeah. And I think it's amazing working with the totems because they can help you not only on a spiritual level, so help you feel more protected, help you to feel stronger and, and clearer, but also identifying the animal, you can research them. You can look at, okay, well, what do they eat? What are they you know, what are their energetic cycles? What are... How do they sleep? How do they sleep? Yeah. What, what are they like socially? Because then you can start to actually work with those different aspects and apply them to your life and maintain balance on a day-to-day level. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where things get really interesting because you can really build that relationship with spirit on a daily level, which is... I'm a deer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a deer. Lex, you had a few... Uh, when you did it, I think there were a few that came, but the one that was the strongest was the horse. horse. Yeah. And I'm horse also. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So horse being totem. And then those other ones usually who take kind of, I would say, well, it depends. They're, they're not necessarily less dominant, but I think some of the other, uh, animals 
that come, they would then be the guides, right? There to give us information and to share their wisdom with us because they have little nuggets to help us out. But in that scenario for you was, it was about working with that force and Mm -hmm. that being the thing that wanted to merge to give you power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So the other two, the soul retrieval and so, Oh yeah, sorry. Did I get off topic? No, <laughs> no we're just excited. No, we to... went down. Oh yeah, we the, talked about the we soul talk... retrieval and we talked about the totems and extraction was the third that third piece. Mm-hmm. Is that what we are? Yeah, so helping to balance people's energy. Is that what we are? We did talk. No, we talked. You ta- listed the three, and then we talked about the totem first in more detail. Yeah, and then the soul retrieval we haven't talked in more detail yet. Yeah, soul retrieval is fascinating to me because it's it's about helping to heal trauma and I think everybody thinks about trauma as you know near-death experiences or abusive situations and things like that which they absolutely are that's very traumatic for sure but there's also other things like being reprimanded in front of your peers or being maybe blamed for something that you didn't do or you know having your parents divorced. There's so many other things that happen in our lifetime that really leave their mark. And the idea is that we have, you know, two aspects to our soul, if you will, just to to kind of generalize it. But we've got our spiritual soul, which is that higher self. That's that piece of us that will always continue to go on. It's a part of that collective, um, collective energy. But then we have our physical soul, which is like, I, I always think of it like the battery pack of mm-hmm. this physical body, and it has kind of a limited amount of energy to it. And when we go through a trauma, it's like, it's just, it's so powerful and painful, and the emotions are so big that we disconnect. We go numb, we go into shock, we just completely dissociate with what's happening. And in that moment, we actually lose a piece of our physical soul. It's like there's this crack that happens Mm. and this piece kind of stays behind. And we try to move forward and we just don't feel whole anymore. Yeah, Yeah, we we just might not have the same amount of joy. We might be nervous all the time. We might, there's just so many different symptoms, if you will, that can come from that. So soul retrieval is looking at going into that journey and finding those pieces and reuniting them with the soul so that you can be more whole. And it doesn't mean that that trauma didn't happen. It doesn't mean that we're erasing it or, you know, that it's negated, you know, mm-hmm. from it, it basically what we're doing is we're reintegrating aspects of who you were mm-hmm. prior to that incident. So helping you to reconnect with those, those, um, aspects of safety or trust or joy or whatever it may be. So it, it can be really, really profound. Is it necessary for someone to be able to pinpoint where that trauma, quote-unquote trauma, no, happened? No, not or, at all. Okay, so you don't need to... It could just be subconscious in there. It happened. Yeah. Um, but then... And is it something that someone can do the soul retrieval on their own, or do you need that guide aspect? Uh, I think it depends on where you are... Um, spiritually in some ways, you know, I think how open you are. Sometimes I do feel that there are what I would call like a spontaneous soul retrieval where it does just kind of come to you, like whether through a memory and all of a sudden there is an energetic shift, mm-hmm. um, you, you become aware of this piece and, and it can just naturally heal. But I think in general, um, it is helpful to have somebody else, especially when you go see a shaman, they bring that energy through themselves 
they bring it back from that spirit world and and help to reintegrate it with your your body basically by doing some some ritual or some ceremony around that Mm -hmm. so I think that is is very helpful but I do believe spontaneous soul retrieval can occur um for some people, like if you believe in past lives, is that also part of the soul retrieval? It could be a soul retrieval from past lives. Typically, the soul retrieval is geared to this lifetime, yeah. and, and past lives are more providing information that, mm-hmm. that may be relevant to perhaps why something is harder to clear or why, mm-hmm. you know, what our lesson is in this particular life or why it's more painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... I find it really, I try not to put a box around spirit and say that it needs to look a certain way. And it's same with even the totem, you know, whether you believe that there is just one totem with you for life or that it changes, I think that's sort of your choice. I I look at what's dominant and and kind of go from there. But even with the, the past lives, I think I have worked with people before where we have had to do a lot of energy clearing and bring back certain energy from that in order to to help the spirit move forward and feel more balanced. So I never say never, I guess, Mm -hmm. on that. But typically, it's usually from this particular life. Mm. Yeah. um, I've seen many different kinds of healers in the last number of years, and I've seen ones that I really connect with, like you. Mm -hmm. And I've also seen ones where I feel very drained when Mm -hmm. I leave in a way that – like I wouldn't go back. I didn't – I feel like I almost, like, lost – like my sense of myself in a way and yeah. because I really do believe we are our own healers yes. and and I think it's important for people to have those tools for themselves like to seek out someone like you to help um, with those aspects of helping them help themselves but can we talk about the Claire's because mm-hmm. I feel like those are something that like we do all have in us and some of them are stronger for some of us, but I just feel like everybody can relate to at least one of them. Absolutely. And they're tools that we can have in our back pocket and they're with us all the time that we can be our own healers, but just to have someone walk through them and explain them all. Yeah. And I think, I just want to say, I think that's kind of the beauty of shamanism because I feel like it really is about your own personal connection with spirit. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I think as a shaman, you're you're here to provide tools to help that person to dive deeper and to find those ways to connect with spirit on their own. Totally. And for for me, um, I think finding out about the Claire's was really helpful because it it sort of helped me to know what channel to tune into, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So typically, there's four Claire's um, clairvoyance, which is clear seeing. So typically we talk about seeing visions or actually seeing spirits with our, well, it could be our, our third eye as well. So, um, but it could be with our eyes, but it's, it's about visions. Um, Claire audience where we're hearing. So we might hear words, we might hear music. It's, it's about the listening component. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Claire cognizance, which is sometimes a bit tricky because that's just about a knowing. It's, mm-hmm. That's kind of when we just have that deep, whether you call it the mother's intuition of just there's something wrong. Like I just know that there's something going on or I just need to turn left today. And I don't know why, but I just, I know that I need to. Yeah. That's Claire cognizance. And then there's uh, Claire sentience, which is the feeling. So it can be 
um, all of a sudden we feel really emotional or we, we get the information by getting, you know, the hairs that stand up on the back of our neck. Mm -hmm. Those are all different ways that we connect to spirit. And I think people often, and my mom does this to me all the time, and she's like, I don't see anything, therefore I'm not psychic. I can't, right. I can't do what you do. And I'm like, mom, no, that you just probably connect in a different way. Mm -hmm. So we just have to find out what that is. So if you tend to be someone who is really sensitive at feeling or you, you know, you walk into a room with someone and if they're in a bad mood and you can just like feel that in your bones, then you're probably more clairsentient. So when you go into meditations or you go into journeys, when you're into an altered state, you can identify what to look for. You know, mm -hmm. if you ask a question and then you get a feeling, that's the answer. That's how spirit is going to communicate with you. So those four ways, I think it's, it's so great for people to know that we all, we have all four. Typically there's one or two that might be more dominant, but chances are somebody might just be, you know, claircognizant and thinking, no, I'm supposed to be clairvoyant. Sure. They just have to understand what works with them. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure people listening are like, oh my gosh, I have that or I have that all the time, but I just mm. pass it off as like absolutely nothing. Yeah. But really like, if we pay attention to those things, it can oh, be totally. so powerful. So profound. It changes everything. And really brings us back to our roots of like what shamanism is, how mm -hmm. you were explaining. Like it's not a religion. It's just bringing us back to yeah, our own connection with spirit. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it makes sense that we're all connected, right? Like we came from the earth. We were born of the earth. And and I think when we look back to people who are originally practicing this, who lived on the land, and, and we're not even just talking about here in Canada, we're talking about people in Australia and Brazil and Siberia, people who lived on the land had that intimate connection. And, and so that balance between nature, like they, they felt that in mm -hmm. their bones, right? Like that everything they did was about that yeah. connection. And None of us were separate. We all had that ability to connect with spirit because we all came from spirit. Mm -hmm. So, and I think shamanism is starting to become more popular, if you will, or, or we're starting to hear about it a little bit more because people in today's world realize something's missing. They know that they, they can't figure out why they're not happy. They have the money, they've got the cars, or they've got these lives, but something's just not right. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that disconnect. We don't, we don't, connect with nature in the same way. We don't just sit under a tree and, you know, talk to the moon or talk yeah. to, you Some know, of us do. Some of us do, yeah. <laughs> but so many of us, we don't, we don't have that anymore. We've forgotten that connection and we don't know where our food comes from. We've just completely lost all of that. And shamanism brings us back to that. It brings us back to that nature, that natural balance, that yeah. connection that we individually have. And, and, we are all capable of going and sitting and sitting under that tree and talking to the spirits in yeah. the tree. You know, we all have that, but we just, I think it's been, we're so afraid to let ourselves open to that because mm -hmm. of ridicule and judgment and all of that that's kind of come into play. So, and when you look at kids, like they just naturally do that. Oh my stuff. gosh. Yeah. They're so open, which makes sense. Cause they're, they're, right from source, yeah. you know, like yeah. they're the closest to it. And when you think about it, they haven't had that conditioning yet. They haven't had those boundaries or those, you know, judgments necessarily put down on them yet. They're, they're just living in that completely abandonment, creative yeah. space. And mm -hmm. spirit usually comes through creativity. Yeah. Like it connects to us through imagination. So that's why when we're in a journey state, 
it's because our conscious mind isn't in control. We're in that place of anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And kids just live that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so what does amazing. it feel like when you're journeying? For me, I am um, the two clairs that I use the most or that, that come naturally to me are clairvoyance and clairsentience. So this kind of goes back to being in high school. Like I felt really deeply in the energy of other people and then could feel these spirits. Like there was all of that, you know, that, that was kind of going on. And, and so when I started learning about journeys, I realized that that was just my way of connecting. Yeah. So when I, when I intend to go into an altered state, I actually see images that come forward. So it's just like almost being in a dream where, you know, you get flashes of, of these visions or you, you see things in your mind's eye. And then when I see something, I usually get a feeling that's connected to it. So you know, I'll see the figure of, say, a man, and I'll get the same feeling that I get around my dad, and I'll know, okay, this is a father figure we're talking about. Or I'll see, for me, how I differentiate between the totem animal and, say, just an animal guide is the, well, there's two things, the amount of times that I see the animal. So if I'm seeing the animal in different ways, usually about four or five times, then I know that's the totem because it keeps hanging out, it keeps coming back. But I usually get this feeling that I'm in the presence of something really profound, like something very big that wants to be there, something very powerful. Mm-hmm. And I get that, like the goosebumps and that feeling in my gut that, that just, whew, I'm, I'm in the presence of something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's those two clairs that I tend to work with. And then what do, when you say like, for people that don't understand spirit, it's like, what mm-hmm. does seeing someone's spirit or feeling someone's spirit are they always different? Like, is it the similar feeling? Is there like a light attached to it? Like how, mm. like to say, yeah. Cause I, I mean, when I first was thinking about it, it's like how everyone has their, like you connect to spirit, but what is spirit? Yeah. That's a very big, profound question. <laughs> what is question spirit? That is the question. <laughs> I think, well, when we talk about, so clients who come to see me are individual spirits like they're they're all different it's like our auras are all different Mm -hmm. where we are you know we're completely different makeup even though we have that similar essence I think hmm, so how I would answer that I feel like when I go into spirit I would say that's like a collective consciousness Mm -hmm. that's like a that tends to give me the same kind of feeling when I'm talking about just an individual person their spirit is always very different than somebody else's just yeah. because their belief systems are different, their physical bodies are different. So I think we're kind of talking about two different things. I think that goes back to the the physical yeah. spirit versus the like that higher spiritual aura, soul yeah. or that higher self. Yeah. yeah. So I think when I'm journeying, I'm more in that collective, that mm-hmm. higher self sort of it's like this untapped resource of of energy it's mm-hmm. it's how oh, that's a really tricky question to no, but paint yeah. a perfect picture to like it's, I think it but that's that differentiation like when people are I don't know if they're sitting in silence or meditating or whatever they're connecting to how do you get to know that about yourself how do how do they get to know that like how that consciousness about themselves like if mm-hmm. or what your spirit aura is like how you, do they start to connect yeah I think you start getting used to what that um that spiritual energy feels like because it, it's it's 
it becomes familiar the more that you tap into it. I think everybody's experienced that before. Um, I think a really easy way to think about it is when you wake up in the morning, when you're at that place where you're not quite awake yet, but you're not quite asleep either, that's actually where we tend to connect with spirit. It's like that conscious mind of ours is shut down, our ego is put to the side, and we are just open to this imaginatory, like infinite mm-hmm. space. And when we see, I guess when spirit connects, when they bring messages, usually when we're in the presence of something positive, we tend to feel safe and we tend to feel, it's like a heart connection that we experience. You feel whole, you feel supported, you feel safe and relaxed. Like that, it's kind of, it's a difficult thing to to describe because I think everybody's experience with it will be different. But I look at it like, you know, when you feel comfort, whether it be with your mom or when you, you know, be with a grandmother or whoever it is, it's hard to exactly explain how that makes you feel. It's just that safe comfort, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the same with spirit. When you go into that place, you just feel that, that connection. It just feels like it comes from a very heart place and not from a conscious analytical space. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. It's a warm embrace. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great way of explaining that. I feel like it would be different for everyone, but how you described it would be generally how Mm -hmm. I think everyone would feel Mm -hmm. in that space. I would love to talk about, um, like you, you in high school had, um, the spirits come to you. Mm -hmm. Was it, was it, uh, like visually that you would see them with, or the feeling of it? And also for other people that maybe don't see things, but what are those other ways that they might sense that, those yeah. things are going on around them. Yeah. I I mostly experienced them through sensing them. There was only one spirit that I saw with my naked eye. And that... Only one? Only one! <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, all the other ones would come through, like, my, my mind's eye. I would see them if I tuned into them. So, to explain that, basically, I would get a feeling that there was something in the room with me. And and that's almost like that, the hairs on the back of your neck, like you're being watched. Mm. I would get that sense that all of a sudden I'm not by myself. And sometimes it would be, I would feel the temperature would change in the house. Like I would feel cold spots all of a sudden, or I would experience the one that used to get me all the time. And it drove me nuts was I would be sleeping and it would be like somebody was like blowing in my face. Like I would get this little, so you know, <laughs> and it was, I was like, so I'd wake up and I'd feel these puffs of air. And when I say tune in, I, I got to a point where I just kind of close my eyes and I would just take a few deep breaths and I would relax and try to clear my mind. And I would just try to ask who's there or who is this? And then for me, as I said, visuals, you know, I worked with, with clairvoyance, I would see an image of somebody in my mind's eye, whether it be a person, like a, a um, it could be yeah, a person, animal, something like that, but I would just get this image and then I would get the feeling associated with them. So I had to kind of go into that relaxed state for them to connect with me, for me to understand who it was, but I would always feel them. Mm-hmm. Or I would, I had situations where... 
my husband hates this story. <laughs> so if he, when he listens to this, he's going to be like, wow, why did you share that one? But, um, <laughs> That's the best one. yeah, <laughs> sometimes you would, I would get like physical things that would happen. So I get knocks on my door or at one point. So the spirit that I did see was that of a little boy. And I was just waking up. I was coming out of sleep. And I remember rolling over and looking at my doorway. And there was this little boy standing there and scared the crap out of me. It woke me the rest of the way up. And I was like, did I just see what I think I just saw? And I kind of left it. Um, Didn't really think to, like, I just kind of put it aside and was like, oh, I don't know. I think I probably made that up. But he kept. I ate too much ice cream. I ate too much ice cream. Yeah, something weird. Maybe too much sugar. I don't know. But this little boy kept coming up like anytime you know I'd feel cold spots I would tune in and this little boy would come into my mind's eye and there was one particular night where I got into an argument with my mom and we both went to bed mad and I was I had these dolls I collected um porcelain dolls and these singing dolls that you you know the old wind up I know you can see where this is going right so these old wind up uh dolls and they were on my shelf and we went to bed and all of a sudden one of them started to play. And I just thought, oh, what the heck, like this thing. I mean, it's so old. I haven't, you know, played with them since I was a little kid. But, you know, so maybe it's just, it's broken. Some kind of mechanism is gone in it. And I couldn't get it to shut off. My mom heard it. She came in the room and she's like, are you okay? Like, I thought you were just playing it because you were upset. Like, what's going on? I said, no, I just can't get it to turn off. I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> so we moved it out to the living room, went back to bed. About like 10 minutes later, the next one started going. And I was like, what the heck? Like, is there, you know, you try every kind of rational thought, like there's vibration from the road outside that's <laughs> causing them, why now? I don't know why they're, why it's happening now, but you try to come up with every possible reason for why this is yeah. happening. And anyway, to make a long story short, every single doll went off like in a row like we just kept moving them out to the living room one by one and there was seven dolls that went off that just kept going and when I tuned into that when I finally was like what is going on this little boy presented himself and I realized that it wasn't you know we think oh my god that's so scary it's like a horror movie like it's some evil thing but when I connected to it this little boy was actually trying to make me feel better. That was his way of trying to bring comfort to me because of this argument that had taken place. He was trying to play, like try, yeah. trying to cheer me up. He's like, why are you moving the dolls? Yeah, so I always try to tell people, I know it seems really scary to connect with spirit because it kind of seems like this unknown thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, but if we actually just open ourselves to, to asking and you know connecting with different spirits, we can actually find most of the time they're, they just need help or they're, you know, trying to help us. Granted, there are negative ones out there. I'm not saying that there, there isn't, but most of the time I find that they're, they're just kind of passing through. They're just, they're there to, to maybe help, or as I said, they're looking for something and we can sort of help them move on. Mm -hmm. So did that little boy pass through or did he stay with you for a while? He, he stayed for a little while. We ended up having a few other spirits who came. So the activity in the house was just like constant. So we ended up having somebody come and clear the home and he, he left after yeah. that. Yeah. Once the house was cleared. <laughs> 
Okay, thanks for sharing that story. That was a good one. Yeah. Sorry, husband. Yeah, even sorry, if, Joe. Even if it's not necessarily a spirit like that that presents itself in some way, I feel like we can all relate to those things that are just like little signs or put in our path mm. that just are like signposts of saying like, hey, you're on the right path. Or, totally. This is meant for you or whatever it is. And if we really tune into that, mm-hmm. then that alignment just I happens. I always say that those coincidences and synchronicities, those are like the breadcrumbs that spirit tries to give us in order to stay on track or to, to kind of go in the right direction. Like so many times people will say, especially to me, like when we're looking at doing healing work, they're like, you know, I've asked for help with spirit on this or that, or, you know, I just want my business to, to thrive, or I really want mm-hmm. that relationship to happen. But we always just assume there's going to be that magic pill that like solves everything and we, we look, we don't see those little, or we choose not to pursue those tiny little nuggets that come our way. So we might get, you know, spirit might bring into our awareness the title of a book. And we keep hearing it repeating over and over and over again. People who are unconnected will tell us about this, you know, this book. And, and we don't think it's related at all. Yeah. But, you know, we'll go out and buy that book and at the bookstore we'll meet somebody or that leads us to the next piece and the next piece and the next piece. And so it's, I think it's so important that people listen to those little like nuggets or those, those gut feelings or, you know, if they're around someone and they get kind of a weird feeling, listen to that. Maybe your energy just doesn't vibe with that person. You know, those little pieces of information that we all get are what I, I think they bring us to those, I don't want to say the final part of our journey, but they, they lead us to those bigger things. They help mm-hmm. us to get to, to where we're trying to go. Yeah. yeah. It's like that meme or whatever it is. It's like, if you're looking for a sign, like this is it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, uh, I do too. Um, Heather, you are such a gift. You truly, truly are. I think if um, any of our listeners want and living in the Calgary area want mm-hmm. to come in for a session with Heather, we would not, could not recommend it more. Mm, um, Heather, we could talk to you for ages, for sure. I know, I'm like, are we out of time? I know. That went so fast. <laughs> I want, like, just more stories. Maybe we'll just do, like, a special episode of stories. Like, give you a Ghost stories with Heather Orton. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how can people find you? What is the easiest way to book or learn more about what you do? Uh, I think my website is a great resource because it goes into detail about whether they're looking for Reiki healing or they're they're curious about... Uh, shamanism or the, the shamanic journeys if they want more information about that they can find that out on my website um, which is heatherortonholistics.com and the holistics is spelled with a W so looking at the whole so uh, yeah they could find me there um, that's got all my contact information that's I think the easiest space yeah yeah easiest way Heather just had a little baby girl not too long ago too so um, if you're lucky enough to get an appointment with her it's meant to be yeah <laughs> then you need it and it's meant to be yeah she's taking up a lot of our time these days in Aww. such a good way yeah yeah thank you so much for being thank you for having me. me this was so much fun it was so nice to talk to you guys yeah